All right, guys. Thanks for joining the Hippocrats podcast. I'm with a buddy of mine, Kelvin. Say hi, Kel. Hey, what's up? <laughs> I met him on TikTok. It was actually a very interesting way of meeting him. I, um, my girlfriend saw his videos and she was telling me to go check him out. So I started following him and I went into one of his lives and was listening to him talk. And uh, very, very interesting perspectives. And I was watching him debate a bunch of people in the comment section, which is really ironic because the people he was debating were my friends. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So uh, I, I was talking back and forth with him and he's like, you have very interesting viewpoints. I'm going to follow you. So he did. And here we are. So we may disagree on some things. We may have a lot in common and uh, this could be a really fun podcast. So I, what really caught my attention is I noticed on TikTok, you made some comments, kind of changed your political beliefs. You changed your platform and it threw me off. I'm like, what is going on? I started seeing your Instagram or you were, uh, you were kind of being more welcoming to a lot of like the LGBT things and you were, you were or what you would consider left leaning posts. Right. Really intrigued. I'm like, what is going on? I need to get you on here and discuss this stuff. So what revelation did you have all of a sudden? Like what, what did you believe and what's changed? I don't know. So kind of like growing up, I don't want to say I came from like a liberal background I want to say it was pretty conservative. I have pretty traditional parents and stuff, but they, they didn't really identify as conservatives. You know, black Americans don't really identify as conservative, at least the majority of them are where I come from. But, you know, I was like two years ago, I got into like Turning Point USA and YAL, all these conservative organizations and stuff. And I was like, I like this, you know, mm -hmm. they support my values and things like that. And that's kind of where my true conservatism journey really started. But then, you know, two years go by now, um, today, I'm seeing a lot of hypocrisies and contradictions coming from the conservative movement. I don't really like it. Um, I notice how conservatives tend to like, um, you know, favor freedom more and like economic, you know, economic stance more than yep. like cultural things. You know, they, you know, they don't really support freedom when it comes to like cultural things and like personal matters and stuff like that. But the reason I identify as a libertarian or consider myself a libertarian is because I support both economic freedom cultural freedom, personal freedom, just as long as it doesn't, you know, infringe on anyone. But I yeah. don't think conservatives are the free people that they say they are. I don't think they support the freedom that they think they support. And, you know, I just couldn't be, you know, I just could not be a part of that anymore. I just could not. See, now, I, I consider myself a constitutional conservative, which would be very libertarian-esque. I mean, it's very, very similar to the, to the libertarian platform. But... Right. Be, you know, I, I believe that the Constitution allows for these freedoms and for equality. So in that sense, it's very libertarian, in my opinion, be a constitutional conservative. So I also believe in freedom of the market and, you know, um, of culture and stuff like that. Like, I, we haven't discussed this, but like, I, I'm okay with being polygamous marriages, you know, um, if that's people's culture and they want to introduce that, fine. I don't think the, the government should be involved in marriage at all, period. Right. But if people want to have that, then it doesn't affect anybody else. Let them have it. You know what I mean? I, I totally agree. And it's like, it's just so many things I could point out, like the hypocrisies and. Yeah, go ahead, man. Let's hear them. I, I don't get too many people pointing out right wing hypocrisy on my platform. <laughs> I do it on TikTok and you know, every now and then. Because but... like everyone is like, oh my gosh, he's like a left winger now. No, I'm actually still a right winger. I just <laughs> support cultural and personal freedoms now. And mm -hmm. I, I'm, I must admit, I'm kind of embarrassed that I kind of identified as a conservative at first because I was like, oh my gosh. And. I don't support the LGBT this and this and that. And it's just oh, you like, didn't. would you say that again? You didn't? You didn't support LGBT? No, I did. I did support oh, you did. Okay. LGBT and stuff, but I guess kind of like with like my Christian values and stuff. And I'm actually no longer Christian too. I went through like a whole 
Oh, wow. We might have to discuss that as well. Yeah, we definitely can discuss that, but let's get into (laughs) it. So the first contradiction I have, like hypocrisy, I guess. So I noticed a lot of like paleocons and conservatives, you know, those groups of political people, they say, oh, well, we have the freedom to practice religion. Or they'll say something like, oh, yeah, America is the most, you know, the freest country in the world. And, you know, I love how they say that stuff. But then, you know, you know, and they quote the Constitution and talk about, like the, the, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it's like when you say you're not Christian, when you say you're not Catholic, they come and try to eat you alive. They want nothing to do with you. They attack you. I mean, look what just happened with the Lenas X situation. Do I support yeah. that? I, I mean, no, it was a bit vulgar. I, I do have to say it was a bit vulgar and inappropriate. But then again, if that was his re- religious, you know, expression, I think in America, in the so-called free nation, as conservatives and like paleocons like to say, I think he had the right to do that. If he wants to worship yeah. the devil, he should do that. Um, you know, I just... I, I made a video for that. Like, I don't know if you saw my video, but I, I said I'm going to take a lot of heat for this because I, I am a Christian and I do a lot of I separate my church and state and a lot of my things that I post are strictly, you know, they're, they're going to hurt people who want to bring the church with the state. And um, as far as that video, I made a video saying I know this is going to people aren't going to like this, but the man has the right to do what the hell he wants. You know what I mean? Like, this doesn't bother me at all. Why should I be affected by this? Exactly. And, I think so, too. Yeah. And uh I, I did a lot of LGBT videos where I said that gay right, um, you know, gay marriage should be legalized and and stuff like that. And I got a lot of crap for that too. So I mean, there are a lot of Christians out there who want to uh, force their beliefs. And my my vision of what it is to be a Christian is just different than theirs. And see, so I respect I respect that opinion a lot. So I, disclaimer again, I always have to say this because people love to just slap these labels on me and say all these crazy things but same here i yeah. do i do not hate conservatives i do not hate christians i do have a problem with majority of them because they all have the same majority you know most of them have the same ideas but like yeah the whole thing between i agree with the separation between church and state like it's just me i grew up in catholic school my mom put me in private school she she did not like the public school system so okay. i don't know yeah so i grew up in private school most of my life but um it was a great experience. I, I didn't really enjoy it because at the time I was a Christian and, you know, they were Catholic. So we did things differently. But I had an issue with a lot of them were complaining like, oh, we should keep, you know, we should keep like church in school and it teaches morals and stuff. And then you see a lot of conservatives try to make that argument of like the public system, like public education system. I, I think religion should stay out of the public education system. If you want to send your child to a Christian or Catholic or Muslim school or something, then go send them to a private school. But I don't mm-hmm. think that Muslims and Wiccans and Buddhist, you know, Buddhist people, like, yeah. I don't think they have, they should have to go to a public school that's meant for everyone and have to like engage and participate in like Christian activities. I think that's kind of disrespectful. And I just yeah. like, I, I don't support that. And a lot of conservative Christians don't like you. I don't know if you've seen the videos with like Candace Owens and all these other, you know, um, conservative movement people oh like, they're, they're trying to take god out of school and yeah taking morals away from my well public yep. i mean private school is an option you know i think yeah yeah i mean because public education system is funded by the government i think yep. the, i mean our constitution the first amendment literally says the, the co- congress just said no establishing or respecting religion i think as someone who claims to be a conservative or a constitutionalist it seems like you're not even abiding by the code that you want us to abide by. So that's kind of like one of the issues I have with them. Oh, like, and I agree with you. Yeah, I think like, they should take all religions out of school. But if you are religious, you should be able to practice it if you're in public school. Oh, yeah. You know I what I mean? So too, but the yeah. school itself should not endorse exactly. it. Exactly. I agree yeah. with that. And that's, yeah. those are just, that's just one of the few issues that I have with conservatives. And 
I really it's mostly religious with. conservatives that I, I get into uh, situations with. But I mean, not to not to throw anybody on the chopping block, but religious conservatives have been the ones that have kind of pushed their agenda through all of the American history. You know, I mean, uh, uh, Christian conservatives were very left wing way back in the day. I mean, they're on both sides of the aisle. So, I mean, it's just, it's just their beliefs being pushed in the ways they want. I actually consider gay marriage, um, uh, marijuana, legalizing marijuana. I consider those right wing policies to legalize those things because that to me, right wing is, you know, less government left wing is more, more government. So, I mean, no, I say that, I say that all the time and it's, it's yeah. like a, it's a personal freedom, which is crazy. Cause it's like, the main people who are like opposing of these things are like right wing people. Like, yeah, doesn't I don't make sense. Legalize to me. marijuana. I don't want to legalize gay marriage. Like, it's like ironic how you can, you know, talk about how you love the free markets and being pro capitalist and all this stuff, and mm -hmm. then you go doing the exact opposite. Like, I just don't understand. Like, some like when I was a conservative, I was like, you making these jokes like, oh, the intolerant left and the left has no logic. Like, I don't understand them. And then literally. <laughs> When I stepped back, I was like, you know what? I think the conservatives are just as illogical as them. So, yeah, I used to be left, and then I became right, and I was one of the sheep. You know, I, I followed uh, when they were complaining about Muslims because of 9-11, and right. everybody's like, oh, Muslims are bad religion. I was one of those idiots that was like, yeah, Muslims are bad, you know? I I just drank the Kool-Aid, and I, I wasn't a free thinker at the time, and it took, it took me to realize how hypocritical that was that we judge people for some things and i'm sitting here doing this you know doing the same thing and uh it took a little while for me to really think and to actually spend time to to know what the hell i'm i'm believing in you right, know right. and and ultimately that's why i am where i am today you know because i believe that we should not push anything on anybody and um every individual is a, their own individual so we shouldn't collectively think of people in a certain way i agree i agree 1000 percent. and actually because on my have you heard of this woman by the name of Sister Cindy? She relates to what we're talking about right now. Uh-uh. No, I haven't. Is she on TikTok? She's, uh, she's she's a Bible thumper. Like she's coming on my podcast next week, so I'm excited about that. But oh, that's cool. I will definitely listen to that one. She, her and these group of guys, like she's like horrorcore. She's the one that's on TikTok, and she's like, women shouldn't wear leggings and women shouldn't wear crop tops. And she was with these guys, and they were like, Muslims are going to burn in hell, and weed smokers are going to burn Whoa. in hell. Like. These are like Christian extremists. And my thing is, I like the debate. It's fun. I like the whole re competitive rhetorical thing. But sometimes mm -hmm. I also like not to debate. Sometimes I like, sometimes I do talk to racists. Sometimes I do talk to Bible thumpers because I genuinely want to understand them. You know, I really want, where does this logic come from? Exactly. Why do you think the way you think? And I get a lot of backlash for like, why the hell are you talking to racists? Aren't you black? Aren't you African-American? Well, I'm like, we would, never, <laughs> we would never get anywhere in society if we literally just like confine ourselves and isolate ourselves from the, I think you have to go in, go solve the issues. Exactly. Man. That's how I think. I've always thought that way. But That's why I started the podcast in the first place is to hear voices from all different perspectives. Unfortunately, a lot of the people that have very different perspectives as me won't come on yet. I mean, I try to invite a uh, typical Democrat and you know Victoria Hammett, and they don't respond. But you know, I'm tr I'm trying to get people on here. I don't want to debate them. I just want to hear them. And I've listened to Victoria like um before I like changed my whole mind and stuff. Like I probably would have disagreed. I disagree with just about ninety percent of her content, but she she says some stuff that I do agree with, like the whole conservatives being hypocritical. And you know, mm. I'm just like I have to side with her on this one, like. You know, she was like, they're the most anti-freedom type of people. Like, she said some stuff that's very truthful. I mean, 
So that's why I try not to like bash people on the left because they do acknowledge some issues that people on the right don't want to acknowledge. Oh, yeah. 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 So, yeah, that's pretty much it. Just the tip of the iceberg reason, kind of why I'm not conservative anymore. But if I'm going to be completely honest, don't don't judge me. (laughs) Go ahead. When when you came out as like you're not a conservative anymore and I started seeing all of your posts and it was a lot of LGBT and trans stuff, I was like, is he coming out of the closet? Like, is there something that I don't know? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, no. And see, I want to talk about that too. Like, when I started posting that stuff because, like, I might even want to lie. I think when I was going through my, like, you know, when I was, when I identified as a conservative and this is why I tell people, like, this is why you just learn, you read, and you you form an opinion on your own. You analyze and you critique these things on your own and form your own yep. opinion. I think the issue is when we join these political groups and these movements, we automatically just conform to the ideas, the logics, and, you know, that becomes our identity, and that became my identity. So I was like, you know, I never ha- had, like, hate for trans people, but I was talking like a horrorcore conservative. I was like, you know, we're trans people you know, they can't do this and they can't do that. And, you know, these are not real men and these are not real women. And I have to admit, I'm actually kind of embarrassed that I was talking like that. That's how the people were, you know, that was like around me. I, I used to talk the same way. Yep. And I really hate that I went to that phase because it's like, it's, I don't know, it's just like so, it's simple-minded. Like, I don't know. Like, I just, I don't know how to explain it. But that's part of the reason I had to get away from conservatives too because I really thought it was a myth at first, but a lot of horrorcore conservatives, especially the Bible thumpers, the horrorcore Christians, they're very homophobic. They're very transphobic, you know, like, oh, they shouldn't, uh, yeah. they, shouldn't, they shouldn't serve in the military. Like, oh, that's a man's job. And why should we have to pay for their, you know, um, what is it? The, Surgery. The hormones and stuff like that. Yeah, oh, yeah, hormones, that yeah. Stuff. yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I had to get away from it. I, I really had to. And see, I have a different. <clears throat> I have a different point of view when it comes to like trans people in like the military um, as a, like a right winger. people like, why? Like I do support like the freedom and stuff like that too. But I think that if we as taxpayers fund treatments for like cisgender people in the military and like the medicines and medications and the, you know, the insulin for diabetes and all that stuff, like if we pay our taxes to fund all that stuff, you know, quite honestly, I don't see the harm in you know, paying for hormones. I don't. Well, I, mean, I don't, so I don't, I don't believe like if let's, let's say a man wanted to get, this is going to be weird. Let's say a man wanted to get like a dick enlargement. You know right. what I mean? Exactly. I don't think that we should be paying for that. Right. You know, it, it's, it's a cosmetic surgery. That's not, no, yeah, I, agree for, with you that. I, mean? I stop it. Like, I don't want it with my own money. I don't want to pay for any surgical procedures. I don't want to pay for what, like what you just mentioned, Yeah. but honestly, I don't have a problem paying with hormones. I don't, I don't. Um, and I, I do think we should have the. I don't want to, you know, like, I think we well, should have the choice, like, if you want to pay for it, you can, but I just also think it's also wrong for us to, you know, pay for someone else's medication and, you know, health care and not pay for someone else's because we don't like that they're trans. I'm so against that. I, know, I, I don't support I, that. I don't think, a lot of people will probably disagree with me on this one. This is probably considered really far right. I right. don't think that a lot of the medicines that we are talking about, like hormones, should have to be restricted that you have to go to a doctor to get them. If you want your hormones, you should be able to just buy them. Right. You no, know? I agree. Yeah. And I think that if people want to take estrogen, if they want to take testosterone, they should be able to buy it. They shouldn't have to go through a doctor to do it. And, uh, you know, I, I know I don't same thing with like a marijuana. I don't understand why things like, um, steroids are illegal. You know, I mean, I can go into this a whole other thing, but especially for the trans situation, if people want to take them, let them fucking take them. 
Right. You know, it's their choice. They shouldn't have to have it prescribed. And then in that situation, they we wouldn't have to pay for them through the military. They would be allowed to just buy it themselves. I 1000% agree with that. I totally agree with that. So. Yeah, but yeah. I just, I, I'm not the, you know, right now, you know, just I'm not the kind of person to want to, you know, take someone rights away because I don't want mine to be taken away. I think trans people yeah. deserve all the rights we get. They deserve all the respect we get. And, you know, that's just where I stand on that. And, you know, well, I believe that, that I... your your property is one of your rights and your money is one of your rights, your capital. Exactly. And people are not entitled to your capital. You know what I mean? Exactly. So I, you have to kind of fish that into your, you know, uh, people's what what creates some or what makes something somebody's rights. They're not entitled to my money. That's not their right. So they don't have a right to that. They shouldn't be able to just take that from me. And that's where a lot of the people have issues with taxes and so on. But that would be that's. That's one of the two bases. I have two bases that I build all my beliefs off of. And one of them is, pardon me, one of them is um, freedom and one of them is equality. And freedom is the right to do whatever the hell you want, as long as it does not infringe on anyone else's freedoms, rights, or quality. And then equality is everyone has the same equal rights. You know what I mean? Exactly. I follow those two bases and then all my beliefs get built off of that. So if anything infringes on any of them, then I say no. That's like, for example, abortion. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't support abortion. Uh, I, I don't either, but I mean, like the whole idea, like abortion, it, I believe in the equality standpoint, if you are allowed to kill somebody, then right. everybody should be allowed to kill anybody. That's equality. So that would fit into my equality base, but that wouldn't fit under my freedom base because then you'd be infringing on other people's rights. So in order for my beliefs to fit, it would have to be nobody's allowed to kill anybody. Then that fits the freedom and the equality. You know, I have a funny question for you. I talk about this a lot with my um, conservative friends and stuff. So sure. it was like, oh, man, you went full left wing. You went for, like, I'm like, no, I didn't. I promise I didn't. So <laughs> I recently I was reading this book and um, I recently learned about kind of like social constructs and like how some of them are kind of like pointless and how some of them are like good and stuff. Like race, pretty much. Like, <laughs> like race, yeah. Race yeah. is so stupid. We can get into that literally after this if you want to. But like gender, sure. So I spent like my whole life thinking that there was two genders. Like, how the hell is he? Like, I don't know. I just thought the left kind of was crazy when they were coming out saying like, "Oh, there's 80 genders." There's. I still do. You know, um, there's yeah. 300 genders. I think that's kind of silly, and you know, because every time I ask them like, "What's the genders? What's the genders?" They'd be like, "Oh, well." You have like pansexual and stuff, and this and that. Well, aren't those sexual orientations, sexual preferences, and stuff? Oop, you're, That's cut, not what... you're cutting out on me, buddy. I'm sorry. Did you, did you hear what I said the last? Uh, give you... me like the last like ten or five seconds. Yeah. So I was saying basically like they they'll say like oh genders like pansexual and like sapiosexual this and that this and that some like those are not genders those no. are like sexualities yeah sexualities yeah. or sexual preferences or something but yep. gender when I was looking at the definition of gender it basically emphasizes like the characteristics and like the the social cultural differences you know yep. not the biological ones so when we think about genders when most conservatives think about gender they man woman male female or girls yep. were pink boys were blue girls do dance and ballet boys drive fire trucks and which are all cars. subjective so, still you know yeah, yeah. so i'm thinking yep. to myself as i'm learning this and i'm just like wow i really felt that i i literally like this is if this is what a being a conservative is, I got to leave. I feel so stupid when I learned that. But I'm like, maybe gender really doesn't exist. And when you say that to conservatives, it's like, oh, you're left wing. And this, no, it, no, it doesn't exist. I it's mean, made up. Yeah, gender doesn't yep. exist. But when you tell conservatives that is 
like you you cannot get through to them. But I'm like, I can see where it comes from because I was raised that way. Like, um, growing up, I have a younger brother and I have a, a younger sister. Uh, we're close to the same age though, but kind of growing up, my parents, like I said, very traditional, very conservative. It was the way they were raised. So it was like my dad, every time we went like school shopping and stuff back to school, when he took us school shopping, it was like, oh, well, you get blue, you get red, you get black, you get green. Your sister get pink, she gets purple. Your sister wears this. Or my mom was like, you know, mm-hmm. oh, well, I don't want your sister going out late at night. And I still kind of do this. Like when it's like when we're taking out the trash or something, like I take out the trash. My brother takes out the trash. We don't let my sister go out, of course, because she's a girl and stuff. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I don't, and I question myself, like, am I being Trained. misogynistic or am I being, you know, am I feeding into, like, this patriarchal complex and stuff, like, and I really don't want, like, I don't know, but I'm just feeling, like, why do why do girls have to be, you know, the only ones who, like, pink? Why do, you know, I don't know. I just feel like sometimes we're playing these silly games and this is kind of what's stopping us from advancing as a society because we want to just you know, confine people to certain identities. And it's just like, it's kind of stupid. If a boy wants to wear pink, why not? I'm personally yeah. not a fan of pink, but I mean, I just, I wear don't, see, <laughs> I, I, I just don't see why it has to be associated with being a boy or a male or a man or however you want it. But really, when you do your research, and I encourage all conservatives to do it because I was really lost as a conservative, gender doesn't exist. Nope. Race doesn't exist. I mean, nope. all these con- social constructs, they literally, I think social constructs, or the reason society is not going anywhere. That's well, our political our political titles aren't don't they don't really exist either. Exactly. You can't categorize a political title because you have very little fine details that are always different than everybody else's. Exactly. But we try to put them under a title so people can kind of understand. But then as soon as you say something, oh, I'm a cons- I'm a I'm a conservative. Everybody's like, oh, well, you screw you. I haven't told you one thing I believe in. All I said is I'm a conservative. You know what exactly. I mean? And me and you are considered right wingers, but we definitely have different views from like the the standard conservative or the paleo kind. Exactly. Of so it's a that's why they call it a spectrum. It varies, yep. but I don't know. I feel like once we, I don't know if we'll be able to get rid of like we're so embedded in it. Like it's, it's going to get worse, is that, in my opinion. You think so? Oh yeah, it's going to get worse. Um, I I believe that there's a victim culture right now, and I believe the more titles you can hold yourself to, the more of a victim you can claim. Oh yeah, like I when I before I transferred schools last year, I was up at the University of Pittsburgh, um, Bradford location, and. This girl, this white girl, like I really hate the the, the victim complex. I mm-hmm. never, I never want to be a victim. So the first thing was when I was like, oh, I'm. This is what like, oh, you're not a victim. I mean, she was like, um, what she say? Oh, you're a black man in America, and you have to understand. You go well. I'm like, there's no <laughs> natural law that says that you know that that oppresses me. I think if I, I, I don't know. I just I feel like there's no, and I don't believe in white privilege. I don't think there's no intrinsic law that says, oh, just because you're white, you're going to get all these things. There's no law yeah. that says that. Show me where it says that. I mm-hmm. don't believe in white supremacy because I don't think white people are superior. And like I said, I don't even believe in race. So I don't even like to call what we call white people, white people, if that makes sense. But basically, yeah, no, totally to, I'm mm-hmm. always arguing with these liberals and stuff. And like the girl, like I just mentioned, oh, you're oppressed. You're oppressed because you're black in America, blah, blah, blah. Well, I don't feel oppressed. I mean. I, I I just don't, and it's like they they argue with you and stuff, and then when I just I just like forget it, forget it. She was like, well, also <laughs> as a woman, just because I'm white, I'm more oppressed than you. Like, and it's like, oh well, I'm more oppressed than you, and I'm. It's like it's like oppression Olympics. Everybody wants to yep. be more oppressed than the next person. And I'm kind of sick and tired. Like, I thought yeah. the whole point of being a left winger or being a, a progressive was to you know to care? Obliter- obliterate victimization and get away from. It's like everyone wants to be a victim. It's the new culture now. Like. Everyone is dying to become a victim. Like, oh, it is like, oh, well, 
I'm black. Well, I'm black and I'm blind. Well, I'm black, blind, and you know, <laughs> you know, I have short hair. I'm, yep. You know, it's like everyone wants to like. I, I don't get it. It's it's so the fuel complex, really. I don't know what to say. Yeah. It's so, I mean, like, I, I don't know what to say. I think victimhood is, and I'm not going to just say like there are some victims out there, but I think when people try to you know get onto this victim culture train, I think it takes away from those who actually suffer. So now you can't yeah, even like definitely tell who's actually suffering. But you know, I'm I'm really tired of the whole victim thing. You know, it's, it's stupid. We should get rid of it. But I don't know. Well, any anytime something can give you power, you try to draw it in. And being a victim today can give you power it gives you sympathy it gives you um people's emotions they'll draw them they'll draw their own emotions to you because you are a victim and people get off on that and it's i i don't understand it you know a lot of us don't because we don't want to be in those shoes we don't want people to feel bad for us we just exactly. want to do our thing you know i agree and uh so it's not something that i'll ever, I'll ever understand i think it's it's more of a people have this inferiority complex and uh they just they feel like it makes them feel better about themselves in a weird, strange way. Yeah, yeah. and that's why that's why I don't I can I actually hate activism. I don't consider myself an activist. I think activism is stupid and there's no purpose to it. Yep. But that's why I don't join these Black Lives Matter movements and all this crazy this and that. It's yep. it's so like I, I don't get it. Like I, I just don't get it. But you know, we gotta we gotta do something different. I hope it changes. But I kind of want to get into this whole this, the the concept of race now. You yeah, know? let's do it. I think me and you may agree mostly, but I, I think there may be some parts that we don't agree with. Um, okay. So, I, so the, let's see. Let's start with why why I don't you know agree with the concept of race. Um, so kind of growing up, I was like, I'm black. I'm black. I'm African American. That's all I knew my whole life. That's what I was taught. Mm-hmm. Then I started to educate myself and stuff, and like. I started to learn about all these different cultures and even like people who look like me from like um, Jamaica or Nigeria and all these Europe, even I met a lot of um like Afro Europe, European people. And that kind of just gave me a different point of view. But when I talk to a lot of these people, like a lot of my African friends, Oh, well over in Africa, we don't identify as black. We identify as like Nigerian or Sierra Leonean yep. or location based, regional based. Yeah. Yeah. Or not, or even if they get deeper into it, a lot of my friends have like tribal affiliations. Like I think it's like Igbo or Yoruba. Like they still do like tribal thing. Or even when you go over to like um, Europe, um, nobody calls themselves white. I mean, just when about ninety nine point nine percent of the people that look the same, why would you need to have a classification based yeah. off of skin complexion? Very makes but yeah. then when you get into the U.S., it's like okay, you're black, you're white. But then when we talk about you know Asian people, we don't call them yellow anymore because it's what politically incorrect or racist <laughs> yep. we don't call natives red anymore because it's politically incorrect and racist and it's like okay so what do you call asian people because asian is not a race nope what do you call native that's not a race so it's like i i don't get it like everywhere else no one calls himself by like these colors but we're the only country that we're the only place that really does it like we i, I don't get it like what's the race of asian people what's the race of native people like it doesn't so like do half of us get a classification does the rest not get i i don't understand. well and then you mix races then it's like okay well you know because it's, it's based off of your physical appearance right. so if you're a mixed race well you're a mutt of like 20 different things then what are you you get to you get to pick what you want to be you know what i mean and that's why I was, that's why i always say like when it comes to biracial people well you know oh well he's black and he has the black. i hate when people say oh well that mixed person um they're black because they have a black you know they go through the black experience in america well what the hell is a black experience <laughs> 
Ben, what is blackness and what is whiteness? Yeah, that drives no me nuts. Monolithic, ex- you know, there's yep. no synchronized experience to being what they, you know, I, no. I, I don't get it. So, nope. but you know, biracial people wouldn't just be black; they would also be white or uh, someone mm-hmm. who's like Chinese or Asian, who's also like Mexican, Latino, or something. They're not just Chinese; they're also Mexican. Like, you just can't call them one thing because they're a mixture of things. So, therefore, they're not just that one category of race or classification that you put on them. They're a variety of things so i don't know i just really wish we can get away from this whole um, yeah the funny race and the funny thing is they don't like like i was saying before you you have to have groups they have to group you because the more groups that you more titles you can put yourself into the more victim you can claim and the government wants that you know if if the government didn't care we wouldn't have race on any application that we fill out they they wouldn't be keeping track of how many asians do this how many black people do this white people do it would just be americans you know they wouldn't care about the the dynamic of people and and who's doing what you know we shouldn't even be paying attention to that but yeah because i mean then you're gonna look at fbi statistics and like well this person well then again well they're mixed you don't know what they're actually are you know and that that kind of destroys the whole systemic racism argument to begin with you know this might be a wild assumption but i'm 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 pretty sure just about little over or maybe more than little over 50 percent of the people in this country today are probably mixed with something else other than what they are i would probably say 70 (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably close to 100 um, percent. Yeah. And I don't know. But I, I do want to talk to you about this one thing you you had. Remember the guy you made the video about um, the like the racial pride? And he was like, oh, what black kids should like get separated from white kids in schools. Yeah. And I don't agree with that. But then I see where he was coming from. Like I told you, I like to analyze situations before I form an opinion. Mm-hmm. The reason I don't agree with it. Is because I don't like to conform to race, but I also yeah. live in an American society that does conform to race. So I have to understand, like, look at this. So before I went to private school, um, I was in public school for a bit and it started like we took like these American classes and things like that and very Eurocentric classes. And then, you know, it, that's when my whole kind of history education started. And then when I went to private school, like American Revolution, Civil War and all like we learned about every time I learned about American history, it was always like some white general or Confederate general or some white, white guy, or, you know, it's just, it's like, I'm always getting this image of some white guy who's like successful, have these war accomplishments. He's like this great American leader and stuff like that too. And the only time I see someone who looks like me, he's like a slave, like a, um, you know, anytime you get the history of black people in America, it's like, oh, it, it has to start with slavery. Uh, America, the, I think the American education system is bad for one. Let me just say that. Oh, yeah. But it's terrible, <laughs> astronomically terrible. But, you know, they don't teach Afro history outside of slavery. So I do think intrinsically we have to take in consideration that when we're looking at African-American children or like Afro children or something like naturally, I do think it creates that that complex where it's like okay or maybe that that anti-white hatred culture like i think if all i'm getting is my people who came before me they were slaves or they were below the white man and you know i just kind of feel like it creates this you know so i think when let me it, uh-huh. go, go ahead i was gonna ask you a question so go ahead toxic and i think it's really it indoctrinates them to have this same mentality and i think that's kind of why I, you know, I slightly agree with him. Like, if we want to get rid of this victimhood complex, if we want to get rid of all these issues we see today in Black America or Brown America, like all these non-white communities, and like, 
think we have to start teaching, okay, where do you come from? Where does your history originate? They don't teach you about Mansa Musa. They don't teach you about Queen and Zika. They don't teach you about all these other people. Like, they don't even teach you about, like, Marcus Garvey or Malcolm X. I think those are very important pieces to our culture, to our history. And I think that if we start teaching people, African-American people, black people, those things, I think it would really mitigate a lot of these issues that we see today, especially the ones that he was talking about specifically. So I do think it's important to learn about Thomas Jefferson and Abraham Lincoln. But I'm I'm just like, I've been learning about this since I've been in like first grade all the way to 12th grade. And I'm a sophomore in college now and I'm still learning about the same thing. Anytime I learn about something of a black person or African-American person or whatever, like, I like first of all, just I like I like to say the how I don't like perform to race, but I'm just saying black because I know when someone listens to this, I just don't want to use yeah. it. Yeah. Let's, anyway, kinda... it's kind of weird, but um, but like... yeah, I just I just feel like when you just teach one piece of history from one perspective and one type of way, that creates an issue. Kind of like um, I always use like um, when I was taking economics, um, I had I took a it was very left wing. That professor was like terribly left wing, and she had a whole unit on the the detriment of like capitalism and why capitalism was bad. First of all, I disagree with her because I'm a, I'm very pro capitalist, but um, I think that if you, that courses, the courses like that are very misleading. I think if you want to educate somebody and, you know, have them, you know, analyze and critically think about these things, I think you should offer them that, you know, also teach why socialism is bad, teach why communism is bad, teach yeah. why socialism is good, teach why communism is good. I may not agree with those things while, you know, because I don't equate them to being good, but I think a good teacher, a good professor, or whatever, if you if you want to provide a great education, I think you will offer in the, uh, I think you will offer all sides of what you're trying to teach instead of just one. And I think that's what the American education system do. I think they have an agenda behind it, and I think that's why we see what we saw in that video. That's why you made. I think that's what what he's talking about. I think not educating people pop- properly creates that. Well, I got it. Okay, so a few things. Um, we'll get back to the. We'll we'll talk about the race thing first. Right. Do you think it would be more productive if we started a culture of getting rid of race and not having to worry about having the mentality of needing to learn about somebody that looks like you, or do you think it would be more productive to do it in the way that you're saying, where you should learn? Because these are these are my my rebuttals of of that situation. If you okay. start if you start teaching somebody about some, if you start if you have to bring in somebody that looks like you, so you could try to relate to them, even though you have absolutely nothing to relate to other than the fact that you look like them, like you were saying before, you have friends that came from all over the world. We have people, youngsters here that are from all over the world, all all different nationalities, all different mixes. Why is it important that you have to learn about somebody who looks like you? You know, we should, we should lose that base. We should get rid of that foundation in the first place. Like these are your, like you go to Europe, like you said, they don't consider themselves black. They don't consider, you know, doesn't matter to them, but it does to us. And I think if we get rid of that in general, we won't have that issue anymore. Because there, I've heard a lot of stories from. I'm gonna I'm gonna use the gender thing. I say black and white too, even though I don't believe in it. It's right, just so right. people can relate to what you're saying. Yeah, we gotta stop that. I'm I'm working on it. I'm, I promise <laughs> I'm working on it. One day I'm gonna be perfect at the to the point where I, it won't come out of my mouth. Yeah. Well, I, I was talking to I I call them melanin rich. I was talking to some melanin rich friends and. uh they said that when they were in school and they would have a few white kids in their school and they're, and they're all, you know, melanin rich schools. I'm just gonna say black when they're in their all black schools. Um, when they would teach about black history month, when they would teach about slavery, those white kids would get the shit beat out of them because it brings emotions. It brings a divide, you know, and that's exactly what you're doing when you're, when you're 
if, if I have to start teaching about one race, because when we talk about important people, we're not talking about the race of that person. We're talking about what they did, right? The, their race yeah. is irrelevant. They don't, they don't say, oh, white Benjamin Franklin or white George Washington. They just say George Washington and Benjamin Franklin. Like it should be. So if we start introducing race, you know, then we have to introduce Asian people that did great things, Indian people that did great things. You know what I mean? We'd have, to, we'd have to try and keep it balanced for everyone, for everyone to be happy. And that's kind of where the direction of our whole society is going right now. And that's kind of why they're having so many issues in the first place. So I feel like we should work more on destroying that foundation of caring about what they look like and just go off of their name, who see, they are. This is my first time actually hearing that. And I, I actually agree, but the, the concern that I have with that is I, I do think that we will have to get rid of tons of history and we will have to never speak of it again. That's the only way I see that going. Um, what, what kind of history do you think that we should get rid of? Okay, so just to kind of talk to kind of relate back to what you so you were talking about the, the white kids who are like getting beat up and stuff like that too yeah maybe we should get rid of you know slave history uh but you know I, the concern i have also with that is too i do think when we learn about like or you know slavery or like the holocaust and hitler and stuff like that too and all these we learn from them and we learn what to do not to do what not to do even so though I we think, are repeating them <laughs> exactly yeah, i think history teach us teaches us to not do these things this is why i failed this is why it doesn't work um and it's just like i don't know so i'm thinking like maybe we just like wipe out the history and never speak of it again because if you don't know about it i mean i don't know and then it's like well we have to learn right from wrong as a community as a society to better ourselves so i don't know maybe we need i, I don't know I've that's something i would have that. to ponder on too i mean you brought up a good point i might have to ponder on that a little bit to uh See what I think about that. Yeah, because I see exactly what you're saying, though. Like, I'm not even going to lie. Like, I don't like victimizing myself, and I have tons of white friends. Um, So I don't equate every white person to being a bad person. But I do know there are white bad people out there. Bad white people out there, I mean. Um, And every time I learn about, like, Confederate generals or, you know, slave masters and these, you know, racist guys who helped, you know, who contributed to the the founding of this country, or like I'm watching, um, currently on Prime Video right now, something called Them. It's a, um, a series, and it's like, man, this is what people who, my this is what my ancestors went through. This is what people who look like me went through, and it's like, and what does that do to you? It, it makes like, you emotional. It, it you know, it does. It, like, it winds it, you up. It 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 bothers me in a way, and it's like because without them. I wouldn't be in a position where I'm at today. Like those people fought for my rights and it's kind of the, the rights that I have today. And it's, I mean, of course, abolitionists did too, but I mean, I don't know. I, I owe it to the people who, you know, I don't know. Does that make sense? No, I get what you're saying. Yeah. And it's like, it, I feel like I would be doing an injustice if I'm just like wiping out their history. And it's like, these yep. are people who look my, I mean, I've talked to my great grandmother before she passed and my grandmother and even my parents, like I'm hearing all these stories and these anecdotes and stuff. And it's like, wow. Like, I'm very privileged to be alive in the 21st century, you know, in 2021, mm -hmm. where I don't have to go through that stuff. But it's like, it's, I don't know what to do. Like, should I just like wipe that history, just forget about it because it no longer exists? And no I think and it doesn't. Slavery doesn't impact me anymore. But I think we should uh -huh. we should teach more about the positive. Like, if I talk to somebody with victim mentality, somebody who's who is just to the death of them, trying to claim every victim situation they can. Oh, history, we were slaves. Oh, history, we this, that. They never talk about, you know, they talk about the bad, like whites did this, whites did that. Well, they never talk about good things that, that black and whites did together. Maybe I you do know? have an answer for it. And I, I totally agree. And because, like, I don't know, like, a lot of where I grew up, the where I come from, our community, um, 
they I grew up around a lot of victimized black people. I have to say that. So like it was like a strong hatred for like even in my school, it's like, you know, but white this and white that. So I kind of just always saw this anti-white culture and stuff. But if you look at the curriculum, like I said, it's always slavery, slavery, slavery. Yeah. Why not teach us about 1921, like Tulsa, Oklahoma, like in Wilmington, North Carolina's and Rosewoods, like all these black communities that actually, you know, build themselves up and yeah. created and generated millions and millions of dollars. And, you know, let's let's talk about black doctors and surgeons who contributed, you know, who were innovators and stuff. They don't teach us about that stuff. But I was, I, I was uh, sorry, I don't want to cut you off. I, I was just watching an MLK speech right before I had this podcast because I'm, I'm on this ML k argument situation right now on tiktok and his very last speech the day before he died he gave this speech and he was talking he was trying to encourage the people to build them up to to want to fight and he never he never promoted violence ever his way of fighting was always nonviolence. and one of the things he said got me like riled up you know this is 1966 and he's like he's like we are poor individuals we are much poorer than the white man but he said collectively he's like you guys don't know this but collectively we have more money than every country on this planet except for seven countries he's like we have that much power and we don't even realize it he's like let's use it let's start boycotting coca-cola these places that you know they're having um uh, people sitting out in unions and stuff like that he's like let's boycott them we have this power let's start using capitalism to its to its advantage you know and i never thought of that before you know i was like i didn't realize that as a collective that you know, the, the... Well, see, I want to touch on that, too, because, like, we're trying... It reminds me a lot, like, this is why I love Malcolm X, and, you know, I don't know, MLK just kind of... It's some things I don't like about him, but then they these two remind me of, like, W.E.B. Du Bois and um, Booker T. Washington. Are you familiar with, like, the Talented Tenth? Um, the whole concept of the Talented Tenth and, like, 10% of the black community only having the capability... I mean, the ability to, like... um become successful, become wealthy, become educators to build the rest of the community. Are you familiar with that concept? No. Okay, so let me start here. So I'm trying to see how I can say this. So it seems like the only time, like historically throughout this country, throughout America, the only time African-American people were able to build themselves up was through segregation. Why is it that the only time we see, you know, businesses and hospitals and colleges and, you know, we see all these, you know, black doctors and just all this great stuff in black America being formed, but it's through segregation. It's like, well, we're not going to be able to get this stuff unless we separate. So when I, like I brought up the, the um, black wall streets and Wilmington's and we can even look at like Philip Payton and like New York and stuff. Like why is it that when we see black separatism, economic separatism, racial separatism, separatism, we see immense growth economically and culturally I mean, the family foundation was so strong during the early 1900s, and I don't support racial segregation, mm-hmm. but the facts show. It just seems historically in this country, every time Black America as a whole comes together, well, it's through racial segregation. Th- think of it. Think of it this way. Let, let's let's just take let's take a Black community, right? Let's right. say they're just segregated from everybody else. The amount of money that they have, it will not it will not grow. They have to have outside money coming in in order for them to flourish. So they, it's not just them within their own community that's making it flourish. It's outside communities in order if they want to grow. So like during redlining, they were they were forced to be separate. And the income that was flowing into them was from the government because that's what the government tried to do. They tried to get them to um, be basically determined on the government money. I mean, they were just throwing a ton of money into those redlined areas. 
Right. So they have all this influx of money coming in from the government and they have to basically make it work with themselves. So they're building their own um, economy basically, but they're also building their own cultural areas where um, it was just segregating us culturally. So when redlining finally stopped and they came out, there was new language barriers. There was new, um, the way they acted, the way they dressed and the, the outside communities that were not black were like, whoa, like that's scary, you know, because I mean, there's a lot of crime too. It was very, you know, uh, very poor areas and stuff like that. And where there's poor areas, there's a lot of crime. So I don't know. They, I can, I see what you're saying too, but there's also yeah. a few of these communities that didn't have the influence of government intervention because like, but the they need that money to come in somewhere. So, I mean, they they have to, they have to get that money from other communities. So other communities would have to give, you know what I mean? Like they couldn't just be within their own communities in order right. to build but that. It was like, with, like I said, it was like with uh, like other black communities trading and stuff like that too. These ones, it wasn't only like one or two communities. There were tons of these communities. So do you think that would have been different if they wouldn't have been black? Say that again. Do you think that there would have been different? Oh, let's, let's pretend that racism didn't exist in the situation. Right. Do you think it would have made a difference if it was a mixed economy? Well, I think if race didn't exist, I mean, because race was the primary reason. Raci- for racism. Thing. Let's say racism, not race, but racism. If there were, if racism didn't exist, do you think that that would have been a, uh, a different situation? So if racism didn't exist, would it be a different situation? Yeah. Do you think that they would have built their economies with white people if there was no racism? Of course so then, they would. There's, there's an absolute yeah, racism. Yeah. So, so racism would be the common denominator for that for that problem. That's why they weren't they did a better job building it within their own communities because racism was an issue so the farther we go and the less racism we have it then being by themselves in their own community doesn't matter anymore okay i see what you're saying yeah hmm. it, it's basically just the way that we treat each other is what causes issues and the farther that we go and being able to treat each other less collectively and more individually and, and lose that pride in that racism the better we're going to work together and i feel like if we segregate we're going to continue that because we're going to divide us ourselves culturally we're going to start looking at ourselves like like almost like team a team b you know what i mean competing and i don't think that's good no i agree 1000 percent. i didn't even think about it like that no i totally agree You just, gave, you, you just gave me something to think about, though. <laughs> That's why we're here, man. Yeah, I have, a, I have a question. So, sure. Um, I do believe in systemic racism. I know a lot of right wingers don't. Do you believe in systemic racism? I do not, but you'd have to define what systemic racism is. I guess, in my own definition, I would consider systemic racism kind of like um, things put in place, systems put in place to contribute to like a long term you know, long-term effect to like, a, I guess, affect like a specific group of people, if that makes sense. Kind of okay. like, like, um, for example, like, um, let's talk about like Jim Crow or even before Jim Crow, the anti-literacy laws when, you know, the South yeah. told, told black people that they couldn't read and, you know, that, that would definitely they, they, be systemic racism. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like that contributes today. And the reason I said, like, they, the reason that the, the people couldn't read the black people, the slaves, was because the Southerners, especially like the masters and stuff, they felt that it would like, you know, it would threaten their their superiority complex. And like, if if black people read, then the slaves read, then they would like will rise up and cause a, you know, yeah, knowledge is power. Yeah, yeah. But my thing is, I do believe in systemic racism for what that's just one of the, the few reasons. But um, like, do you okay, do you believe that systemic racism exists, or do you believe that the effects from systemic racism are still in effect? Hmm. 
You don't think those are the same thing? No. So, so systemic racism actually gives the government power over you, whereas the effects of systemic racism gives you the power to be able to change it where they can't actually control you to change it. So it's actually up to you to do it, but you're still, you still have the effects from it. So now, now you're kind of just thrown out in the middle of the wild and now it's up to you to take care of yourself, but they don't have control over you anymore. So it's not, it's not within the system that's holding you down. Now it's within yourself, but you're at a very disadvantaged situation because you know, you started at the bottom. I don't know. So let me give these two examples. I want to use. Sure. Okay. So I want to use like literacy laws and I want to use like, because like I said, like, I don't know. And I, I'm, I always admit when I don't know. So maybe you can educate me or maybe, you know, I'll like, try. Like, but, <laughs> so when, with these whole anti-literacy laws and stuff, I think when you take a group of people and you tell them that they can't read or they can't get involved in any form of literacy for, you know, decades and decades and, you know, centuries and stuff. And it's like, you have no form of literacy, no form of like ability to read, to pass down to your children and generations and generations and generations going without having the ability to read. And you're trying to go through society and stuff like this. And it's like, now we look at today where we see like in California, 75% of black boys don't read on a, you know, reading level or, Mm -hmm. you know, we see, we don't see the high amount of, um, you know, reading levels we need to see in like black America and stuff like that too. And, or I also think that these laws were set up on purpose to, you know, are you familiar with like the grandfather clause and like, you know, um, you, you, you can't vote if you can't, you know, if your grandfather didn't vote or if you don't have the, no, never heard of that. really? No. Wow. I, I, I thought everybody knew what that was, but I don't know. I feel like these laws were put in place for things like that too. Like, I mean, just look at it. I think it was systemically set up, and I think I think it, it does affect us today. But I mean, just look at how. I mean, they said that oh, well, if you couldn't read, you couldn't vote. You couldn't if you couldn't read, you couldn't come to this school. Well, if you if your grandfather didn't vote, then you couldn't vote. Well, how can I? How can I, my grandfather was a slave? Slaves didn't have the right to vote. They weren't considered citizens. So it's like yeah. Well, way back in the day, you couldn't vote unless you actually owned property. So and, I mean, yeah. It, yeah, it was really restricted. They did this on purpose, and I think it was systemically set up that way to cause these issues. And I think they contribute to what we see today. Well, like the so I'm just saying, like I just cannot sit up here and say that I don't see systemic racism because what I see from the 17, 18, 1900s when I see that racism. I'm seeing some minor forms of it today and it's like they're linking with each other. So it's like, yes. So my opinion, my, Oh, you keep going. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, oh, all right. What what I'll talk about the, um, like welfare, like mm-hmm. FDR knew what he was doing. LBJ knew what, like LBJ mm-hmm. was absolutely terrible. I cannot stand LBJ. He was a terrible president. First my least all. favorite president. Yep. Actually, my least favorite will probably have to be, um, Andrew Jackson. I, I can't okay. stand Andrew Jackson. <laughs> I, I'm a I'm a Calvin Calvin Coolidge fan, the the only president to actually decrease the um the national debt. I respect him for that. Okay, but um anyway, um let me see. If I can say this. Um, wait, what was I talking about? I just forgot. I'm uh, sorry. Welfare. Oh, welfare. Like, yep. oh, well, you can you know, if you wanted you. So actually, in the 1900s, father the black father absence percentage was extremely low. It wasn't mm-hmm. even an issue. The Black Family Foundation was strong. Okay, now we see, you know, all these poverty starts to rise and all these communities get, you know, getting tore down. Now the government appears, well, hey, we're going to give you these, you know, these these welfare programs, this form of assistance, this and that. But this is what you have to do. You need to trade your black husband for Uncle Sam. 
the yep. black the black father needs to be removed out the household. Yep. And this is actually one of the reasons why I don't support big government because people fail to realize how big government can really destroy things. Oh, absolutely. But I yep. think big government, I think Democrats, I think the the systems that they put in place, I think it, you know, that's a form of systemic racism. They did it to contribute to father absence. Because it's just weird that, you know, we see slavery, the father sticks around, you know, we see the early 1900s, the, fa- the Black Family Foundation is still strong. I mean, look now today, they're now thinking there's an, a BLM, there's an attack on a nuclear family structure. Like, yeah, divorces happen, yeah, single parents happen, yeah, but now they're calling, um, what is it, they're calling nuclear family structures Western civilization, they're calling it white culture. When did it become white to have both parents in a household? Like that is the most, that's the silliest yeah, thing I've stupid. ever heard. Yep. So that's why I believe in systemic racism though, because I'm saying like when I'm looking back in the past and I'm seeing like these father absence issues and I'm seeing these literacy issues and I'm looking today and I'm connecting the pieces, there's a, there's a correlation between all these things, which it, it makes me, conclu- you know, have a conclusion that systemic racism does exist. So my, my opinion on that would be, systemic racism pardon me systemic racism itself doesn't exist the effects are definitely still in place from it wasn't that long ago that we actually got rid of the laws that are forcing i believe in order for it to be systemic the system itself would have to be forcing you there and people today are forcing themselves they're holding themselves down even though they're in a really difficult situation um it's still on their it's their accountability right now. It's not the government. So I, I think that it is culture right now. It, it's the culture that that systemic Wait, situation I I I created. To, I think I have to disagree because when we think about systemic racism from like the point I gave, from like the whole literacy thing, the whole point of the literacy thing was to make sure that these black people couldn't read. They always say like, if, if you want to hide. I know you're saying the idea yeah, was for was, for racist reasons. And But they did it for a long-term effect. They did it to yeah. make sure that it, so I'm just saying, like, if it's if the the system succeeded, if it was put in place as a system, like, because this just it wasn't a, it wasn't just a southern thing. This was just like every black person in America kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was literally like I'm talking policies. Like you can literally go look up PDFs and like, uh, I mean, the whole school segregation thing. These are actual government oh, okay. states saying that oh, you can't you can't go to school because you're black. You can't read because you're black. You can't go to this church because you're black. You can't drink from the water fountain because you're black. I, so I have I'm a quick question for you. Yeah. If you consider that systemic racism, then what would you consider being the end all to actually saying it's no longer systemic racism? Because in order for something to exist, you'd have to have an end point to say, well, then it yeah, wouldn't. Yeah, no, if. I agree. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So the end all for me would be when I actually see that's That's the good thing about um the whole American democratic process being a politician and stuff. When I'm actually, when I actually start to see bills being put into place, what too, bills would it take though? I mean, so what, what exactly would need to happen in order for you to say, okay, systemic first racism. Of all, yeah, the first thing I ab- will advocate for my number favorite thing, education reform. That's the first issue. We need to properly educate people, like literally properly educate people and make sure everyone has an equal playing ground when it comes to education. No special this and no special that. I understand different privileges may come with, the public education system and it may come with the private education system, but I think there should be a, uh, you know, a basic foundation. And I just don't think the education. Field do, you, is equal. Uh-huh. do you think if, if you just right now, if you snapped your fingers and all the schools became exactly the same, do you think that we'd start having an effect right away? Or do you think it would take decade, two decades? 
Okay, um, it it would definitely take time because it, it, being educated takes time. But I also want to say I don't think I don't think every school should be the same. I think there's no. Be- I'm, I'm just giving an example. I'm saying. Yeah, oh, you, okay. You I know. just wanted to make this. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm just okay. giving an example because yeah, I I'm, think it definitely will take time because the whole point of education is you, you have to analyze and, like I said, you have to critique and you have to go through the curriculum. You, it takes time yes. to learn. Yeah. So but what I'm getting at, yeah, be, what I'm getting at is it'd be generational. It would be a culture. That's what that's what would be changing. It wouldn't be the schools making the change. It'd be the people making the change because. People, when they go to the schools, they become educated and they teach that their, their children grow up and they, you know what I mean? It, the culture, and if the culture did, wouldn't change, if you still change all the schools and people still had the same mentalities that they do right now where they prioritize school under other things, you know, the culture, if it didn't change, then the education wouldn't change. So I, I think that the culture is the culprit to why things are the way they are. And I think it's our job to change the culture because that will change the education that will change everything else i don't think the system is in control right now i believe it is the people to get the change so i don't think that i don't think that it's systemic racism because you can't just change the system to change the people right away you have to change the people in order to change the education to change the outcomes and everything like that so there's i don't think that really i agree with you too but i I, honestly um scott i think it's both i really think it's both because well that the the system could definitely change i'm not going to disagree with you there it could definitely change um there's a lot that i would change especially with uh, criminal reform as well it starts with the people first yeah yeah we have to let the people so i see what you're saying we have to let the people into the school and that's who teach it but i think there needs to be policies or some form of set of rules put into place oh this is what you need to do this it needs to be equal right that, exactly you know that's yeah all i'm saying so like, i totally get that I, i'm just saying that I, it's it's not systemic racism to me because right now the government doesn't have any power over it the people do they have they have full control over what they want to do with their future for example my best friend's black um right. we we went to school together uh i think it was freshman sophomore year he moved here from chicago he grew up in like a really shitty neighborhood in and um the t- <laughs> I live in like a redneck area where everybody's driving like big jacked up trucks with like right. <laughs> Confederate flags and shit. Right. So first day of school, I lived like two doors down from him. He's walking to school and I got a big jacked up truck, big tires and everything. And I pulled to the side of the road and I was like, Hey man, you want to ride? And he kind of looked at me, looked around like, fuck, is this dude talking to me? Like what? You know, he's like, dude, I was oh scared gosh. out of my fucking <laughs> mind. I had no, I, you know, I've never been in a redneck town. I've heard stories and you know, we became best friends, um, both bodybuilded together. I mean, awesome guy. And uh, he's actually one of my and only I friends. Have a- I have a friend like that too, my friend Brody. Um, man, he's crazy. But we, a lot of people can't do this, and a lot of people make like you're black and you let him do that, and he's but we don't care. We make like a lot of these like jokes, racial jokes. Oh hell yeah, stuff, yep, and, same like, here. Yeah, and like I know we're on your podcast, so I'm gonna keep it clean. I might like, say <laughs> some of the stuff, but I mean, man, Brody is my bro. We literally yeah. make all these jokes. Like, well, I'm German, so I get all the Nazi jokes, and he's black, so he gets all the yeah, stuff. Yeah, and jokes, I think, so. yeah, it's this. I know what you're saying. I'm also not a sensitive person either, so yeah, I, I, I kind of don't care. You know, I've never been. You know, I was never a sensitive person, so mm-hmm. when he makes a joke, I'm oh, you want to be funny, so I just come back with something. So, but but you know, I'm, about the systemic racism thing, like I see where you're coming from. I think. I, maybe it's like our interpretation of what systemic racism is because yeah. I just pulled up the definition really quick. So it's like it's institutional racism and it's like, it says that it's, it's a form of racism that is embedded through laws within society or organization. It can lead to such issues as discrimination and criminal justice, employment, housing, blah, blah, blah. You get the gist. Basically, yeah. I don't know, maybe it's my definition. Like I said, it may be very subjective to what, you know, what I believe, but yeah, I'm the, thinking that systemic racism is and correct me if I'm wrong. I'm thinking that it's a system put in place to cause long-term effects. And I think if the long-term effects are still in place today, 
if it literally met its purpose, it met its goal, doesn't it still, you know, doesn't it still make systemic, doesn't it equate to systemic racism? Maybe, I don't know. The problem is there's no barriers to, to really define it. And that's the issue. It almost becomes a subjective issue because then you have to, like I asked you before, you, you'd have to be able to actually say, this is what needs to change. And we don't know. We're kind of like, well, this could change. This could change. You know what I mean? Because all the power relies on the people. Like the story I was saying over my friend, when he moved here, his mom was leaving Chicago and leaving the shitty um, schooling system so he could get a better education. You oh, know, my mom she, did the same thing. I'm, yeah, from, super I'm poor. from St. Louis. We're literally ranked the most dangerous city in America, but I live in Georgia now. Okay. Man, St. Louis is terrible. When I say someone was getting sh- tons of people shot every weekend, I mean, the dem- the politicians there, that's why I was like, man, it's time to go. Like, the politicians, we had tons of Democrats in place, too. And, like, I'm just like, these are supposed to be the people who are, like, fighting for us, and these are our political champions. And they're doing yeah. absolutely nothing. They're making our community more terrible than anything. And I'm like, why do we keep voting for these people? So I, I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. Like, it's, it's trash, trash politicians. Yeah. And what, what I'm saying is what was in place to stop your mom from moving? What was in place to stop my buddy's mom from moving? When nothing they, was in place, my mom was just like, you know, my both my parents actually. Yeah. But we live in, my parents are like divorced and stuff, but. One thing about my parents is that, you know, they made sure that they still had a connection and they made sure that they did everything for us. And so when it came to us, you know, their kids and stuff, it was like, we have to do this for them. We have to put them in the best. They put us through private school. My mom made sure like she did not want us in that environment anymore. You know, she owned, you know, she moved away. She started her businesses. She now has multiple businesses. Like, I don't know, like. So So if it was systemic, would she have been able to do that? Would say it again. If if it was systemic, would she have been able to do that? See, that's, I don't know. To me, it's a tricky question because I'm I'm looking at the other the rest of the community. Like, but that's just it. If it's systemic, it would, it would influence everyone. You know what I mean? It's exactly. if there if there's no laws or anything in place to affect a specific race, then it's not systemic racism. If you can still have the effects from the systemic racism, right. which we do, which I feel that's currently what I'm trying to do with my platform. I'm trying to help people realize that they're free to go. They're, they're free to change. They're, they're able to change their own culture, but they don't want to. And that's the resistance I'm getting on TikTok. That's why all of my BLM stuff, I'm just getting a lot of hate because people don't want to change their culture. They're, no, they're adapted. exactly what you're saying. Like when the environment I come from, like, do I have to go around and sagging? Do I have to go around and fight and act like a wild animal? Like, do I have to do those things? No, that was actually, that was not, that's not something I wanted to do. I was always a quiet kid, you know, reading books or, into like yeah. an anime and stuff and i wrestled and i played football my whole life like i just wasn't really into the streets and all the other stuff a lot of people a lot of the people were into around me so i was like this is not the life i want to live you know went to college i go to a great school on a full ride scholarship so i'm just like you know i'm seeing these this change and it's like society like one part of society is like okay well you're a victim in america and it's like well my parents was like well all you have to do is work hard and you get what you want yeah. like, I, that's that's what i that's how i grew up as but then I'm also looking like there are people who look like me, guys who look like there's black women and black young men, like all this stuff. And it's like, well, they're also suffering. So is it like, do they not know or they suffering from the system? So I'm, I'm questioning what, what's going on, because it's like I don't have to conform to this victim, I, this victim mentality that, you know, the left is telling me to conform to because, you know, I don't want to be a victim. I want to be a victor. I want to succeed. I want to yeah. be rich. I want to be wealthy. I want to have several degrees like. I'm in the process of writing a book right now. Like, I don't want to be a victim. And it's like, society wants me to be a victim. And it's like, every time I say I'm not a victim, I get like this backlash. Like, I'm literally being attacked. 
for saying I don't want to be a victim. Like, how, like, that doesn't even make sense to me. I thought that the whole point of you fighting for me was to not be a victim. And now, like, since I don't feel like a victim, you know. It's sad that people have to try and make you go through an identity crisis. Yeah. <laughs> you know like, what I mean? And, and that's why I kind of have, like, people try to, like, society wants to create my identity for me. And, you know, yep. my parents, like, you create your own identity. Hell so yeah. I just go with that. But I don't feel like a victim. I don't feel like white society is out for me like i said i have tons of white friends i have tons of black friends i don't look at race to be if you're if you're somebody who can connect to me if you're somebody who i can have a great conversation with or you know do great things with in life why not we can be buds you know, yeah then be you're, you're my brother it doesn't matter you know exactly but it's yeah. just like and it confuses me it confuses me though because it's like okay i'm living this life right here like i come from that rough background i come from this certain background so i know what it's like but i also have parents who even when I was going through those things, my mom was in college. She's now working on her PhD right now. Like, it's like, I have something, my dad, he owns a, a home renovation business. He's literally about to start his own security um, company. Like, it's like, now I have parents who come from these rough backgrounds. My mom who went through a teen pregnancy had me. And it's like, well, I'm seeing them do these things. And you guys are saying that the system is like, you know, it holds them down. And it's like, well, we prevailed and we're <laughs> constantly going up every day. And it's yeah. like, we hold like, ourselves down. Scott, I have to be honest. I really don't know because I'm like really in the middle. It's like, okay, we're good over here. But then the rest of the people who look like me over here, like, so is it like, well, are, they la- are they truly lazy? Or let me ask they, you a question. Do they not have the tools to? If, if, you, if you were given the two options, if somebody, if you were to talk to somebody and say, okay, you wanted to encourage them, you want them to succeed in life, would you go at them with a mentality like you're weighed down and the world needs to change for you? Or would you go at them and be like, dude, it's all you. You got this. Because those are those are the two mentalities you're battling between right now. You have to pick one. <laughs> you know what I mean? I would I, I always pick saying. the positive. I probably would tell someone to, you know, you because I don't expect I don't expect anybody to just give me anything. I think you have to work for it. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's what I would tell them. You know, go to get a job, you know, start a business, go to school, do whatever you think. Take what utilize whatever tools you think you need to go ahead and get to where you need to go. But it's yeah. like that's where I'm at, but it's like, yeah, I see exactly what you're saying. But if, if some... society, if society promoted that period, if we got rid of the one mindset and just promoted the, hey, you can go exactly. do this and encourage people, our society would be crazy awesome. Yeah, you know I, what I mean? Yeah, and I see exactly. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna just like get rid of like what you're saying and ignore it because there's some truth to what you're saying. I see, I saw people with my own eyes. I witnessed people, African American people, brown people who just leech off of taxpayer money and utilize food stamps and, you know, government <laughs> assistance and not want to work and not want to go yeah. to school. And they're able, like, and then they complain about the system. Like, I do know people personally who complain about the system and, like, the racist economy and racist society. And it's <laughs> like, look at you. You sit on a couch all day. You do nothing <laughs> but watch fights and, you know, you, you just, you do nothing productive with your yeah, life. Man. I mean, what do you expect? Like, I grew, I grew up with the same thing with, with white people. You know, it was a, uh... I, I grew up with a, a lot of people would get, they would go on uh, uh, disability from the government. They would get pills. They would sell the pills, the drug dealing. They would sell wow. the pills, get more money, and they would keep doing this. They'd live off the system like that. They wouldn't work. They'd be like, oh, I can't work. I have you know depression or whatever. And then they get the depression pills. They sell the depression pills. I, I've seen that my whole life. Like that was like the, I, I grew up in a really shitty childhood. I grew up um, with like basically my mom was like a drug addict. My dad was never on my brother. He helped me as much as he could, but he was quite a bit older than me. So he moved out and I was on my own. You know, I had three jobs when I was 15, 16. Wow. I'm sorry. Um, I had a really rough childhood and I was even homeless for a while with kids. Um, I can't, 
I can't own a gun. I'm a felon. I can't uh, vote in certain states. So I actually know what it feels like to be oppressed. <laughs> every yeah, time, I, and every I time I go to get an apartment, like right now I'm looking for an apartment. Nobody will take me. I've applied at 10 different apartments and nobody will accept me. Man, that's I, I go for a job. Nobody will accept my job. I actually went with my Asian brother-in-law and my best friend who was black. Like we went um, back when like 2008 and we went to all these jobs together. We drove to the same jobs. We asked for the same amount of money um, starting because we just needed a freaking job. Like we were like 10 bucks an hour. I don't care. I just, I need a job. They both got callbacks on all the jobs. I did not. So I know what it feels like to be held down. And that's why I don't have any sympathy. You know, I, I just a couple weeks ago, I, I made a video a couple weeks ago. There was no, I saw it. Just the one yeah. where you went to Chicago. You know, I, I know what it's like. You know, he just got out of the penitentiary and, and uh, he just, it was his, uh, I think it was his first like full day. He wasn't even in Chicago for 24 hours. He just literally got out of the penitentiary. The penitentiary. He had nowhere to go. He had no home. The homeless and, guy, uh, right? Yeah, homeless guy. Okay. And uh, I was just like, dude, I've been there. You know, like. And I'm trying to be positive with them. I'm like, you know, it'll be okay, man, as long as you fight for it. You know, you just, you find what you want in life and you go freaking get it, you know? And I think that the world needs more of that instead of, oh man, I feel bad for you. Let me, let me you know, treat you like you're a victim to something, you know, oh, and bring yeah, you down. Definitely right. And that's, that's really why I can't really mess with the left too, because I feel like they also, um, they <laughs> enable people, especially minority people to be victims and lazy people who just sit off on the couch and, collect government assistance like oh it's okay like the whole con the, the whole reparations things white people like every white person that's not white people in general there's no white person alive today that contributed to slavery like there's mm -hmm. no white like why do those people have to pay me reparations like i think i have to work just like everybody else has to work and they have democrats have created this narrative oh just because you're black just because you're hispanic just because you're native american or asian you know you get all these privileges, which is crazy because last time I checked, Asian people are actually dominating just about yeah, every Asian and Indian kicking ass from education, from annual salaries. Like, so it's like, I don't get it. Democrats, what's going on? I don't well, get it. If, if they can, if they get more people to rely on the welfare, then they're going to create a culture that more of their children are going to learn how to rely on the welfare. And then the government's going to grow and that's good for them. So... <laughs> You know what I'm saying? It's 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 a long term plan, bigger government. Yeah, man. There's something I want to talk to you about because you mentioned you being like a felon and stuff, and mm -hmm. like couldn't been able to find a job and stuff. I had a debate about two three weeks ago, um, at my college, and it was about um death penalty and stuff. But we can get to that after this. But you talked about like not be being able to get a gun and stuff. Like, I think that's so stupid because the whole and or getting a job, like the whole point of being arrested and going to jail or prison. It's, serve your they, time. They, they, yeah, serve your time because yeah. you did something. And they say that it's, I personally don't think prison is meant to rehabilitate you. The government, no, it's not. It's meant, the government says it's to rehabilitate you, but that's bull crap. We all know yeah. that because my thing is like, they come out and they do the same thing, but it's like, maybe the reason they do the same thing that they went in for was because of, you know, now they can't get a job or yep. I, I think the government. And that's the, the only life they for, know. Yeah. yeah. The government is the purpose for recidivism rates being so high. It's like, okay. A father, you know, he was drug dealing or something. Now he's going to jail for two, three, four, five years or whatnot. Yeah. Okay, he gets out. And, okay, I, I want to change my life. I have kids. Let me go find a job. Oh, sir, we can't hire you. Yep. Deny, deny, deny. Well, I can't find a job. So what? I, only way I know how to do is, you know, go sell drugs. And, like, bam, he's back in a, you know. So I literally don't think prison is meant to rehabilitate you. I think the, the criminal justice system needs to be reformed. Not only in the prison system, but... 
is complete trash. But yeah, and I think we should decriminalize drugs and we should get rid of little, rid of a lot of uh, things that people are criminalized for. You know, I think the whole system needs to be reworked. I think anybody who has been put away for marijuana possession needs to be released ASAP. Yep, I agree. ASAP, yep. like this moment. But um, what do you mean by like? Because I, I I agree to like marijuana and stuff. But when you say decriminalize drugs, are you talking about like heroin, crack, and all that stuff too? Yeah. <laughs> really i'm pretty hardcore right man i think people should be allowed to do whatever the hell they want if they make a mistake with it they get penalized they get punished See, so yeah. like i have no problem with like you know lowering the restrictions on like marijuana usage or maybe mm-hmm. alcohol but like it's like like when we're like decriminalizing like shrooms and stuff someone hops in a car and like drive and they see like mario and all these crazy well, things and just keep crash like it's just, what's like, the difference between that or alcohol say it again what's the difference between that or alcohol there's, if somebody's, there's really no big difference. That's what I'm saying. We we have alcohol that's legal. Man, you're right. It's just I don't know the idea. It is hard concept. It took. I didn't believe in that in the first, but I, it, when I when I look at my two bases, man, when I look at my two foundations, I'm like, shit. This is the only method that fits. This is what I, you know what I mean. And <laughs> I think no, I agree, but I just never really thought of it like that. Just imagine someone driving on shrooms. That's scary. Yeah, that is scary. It's scary for anybody with alcohol. I mean, I, I've seen people with alcohol freaking swerving all over the road, and I called. Yeah, but and, I mean, yeah. like with shrooms, though, we're talking about like psychedelics. Now you're seeing all these uh, hallucinations <laughs> yeah. and like. Oh, I get it, but I mean, those people will probably kill themselves off. And <laughs> no, I agree, I, man. But what well, man, happens? I... So what happens when we decriminalize drugs, and now we start like just just hypothetically speaking, mm-hmm. we see all these crimes go up, or maybe we start to see drug overdoses you know, I, I think we'd see a lot more deaths to be honest um I, we'd see more death than probably crime um you know as far as putting people in prison so i'm not not trying to say like we should kill people but we should give people the freedom to do what the hell they want and if their choice is to kill themselves and so be it i mean that's pretty cruel of me to say but i keep my emotions out of my decisions so and you're pro-life right i'm just curious i want to make a connection are you uh, yes i'm i'm pro i'm anti-abortion let's just say that i'm pro-equality so you don't think it's a bit contradicting um because i even i believe the same thing and sometimes i even think i'm being a bit contradicting where i'm like okay well i'm like see like i i don't believe because i consider the, the child the fetus or not i consider it it's a human being it's just like you you and yep. me but also can we apply that same logic to legalizing dangerous drugs and but who is anybody forcing them to take those drugs or are they taking it on their own free will that's that's the difference. Yeah, it's definitely free will. Yeah, see, that's that's the difference. We're just giving them the free will to do what they want with their life. You know, um, I, I think that there's a, it's fucking, a lot of shit would change. Steroids were legal. I mean, sports would change. Uh, fucking everything would change. I mean, it would be right. a whole, you know, it would be crazy, but <laughs> it's a hard concept to grasp. I understand. <laughs> no, but there's there's logic behind it. I, I yeah. see the logic behind what you're saying. Um, I want to know how you feel about death penalty because I want to talk about the the whole prison thing still. I, I don't believe that death should be okay. So I actually made a video about this. Uh, it's kind of be kind of a weird idea, but I believe that anybody who is in prison has to keep themselves alive, whether it be work, um, do anything, you know, do your daily, almost like you're living on the outside life. You have to do stuff to work, to earn your money, to right. afford your food. And if you choose not to, then you don't eat. And if you don't eat and you die, you die. Um, and if you are punished for something that requires a death penalty, you get a life sentence and you basically are in there until you die, but you are making sure that taxpayer dollars are not funding your life. You are funding your own life. Yeah, I agree with that too. Um, 
Yeah, but I think because even like psych- like psychology studies have shown that I just don't believe it. I think no human has the ability. I think we're all entitled to life. You know, the laws mm-hmm. of nature gave us life. I think nobody has the rights to take it away. Um, you can take your own away, but nobody can I mean, take yours. Yeah, but I'm saying yeah. like someone else. I don't think they have the right to just come and, you know, kill you. I think, you yeah. know. Yeah, so that's why I don't believe in death penalty too. But um, science has shown that when you just, you know, lock someone away in solitary confinement, you know, there's an increased risk of like um, some mental disorder, such as like anxiety or, um, you know, just a depression or anything. Yeah. I think well, that- in, in my, in my prison system, people would be working like they would in real life. And then we think about it, that's almost a way of rehabilitation. So when they actually get out of the prison sentence, they're going to, they're going to be like, Hey, I just busted my ass. Now I can go out and, you know, bust my ass again. But then you, we have the same situation, like you were saying before, well, if you're a felon, you're not going to get hired. And so we'd have that issue, but they would at least be tasting what it's like to work for your life and do something other than just sell drugs to, to make money or, you know what I mean? Exactly. I know exactly what you mean, man. That's, that's just, that's crazy. And how do you feel about, um, I don't know. There's just a lot of questions I have. Like (laughs) when people go to like court and they like put that, because I know you talk about like the separation between like church and state, but when they go mm-hmm. to like the court and stuff, hand on the Bible. They, I think that's. I don't think they should do that. I don't either. And okay, you're well. If, if you're not a Christian and you put your hand on the Bible for before God, like that's gonna make a fucking difference. You know what I mean? Like it's stupid. I think I just think it's also. I think it's also unconstitutional. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I don't. I don't think they should have to do it. And then on top of that, like. You know, I think they. Um, someone had made the argument, well, this is a Christian. I don't think America is a Christian nation. Um, it was founded on Christian beliefs, but um, I don't believe that the ideas. Wait, see, that's one thing. So, so when the when the Mayflower came over here, when the settlers came over, the reason the the, the, the people the settlers came over here was because they were getting into it with like the Catholics and stuff, and mm-hmm. it was like political and religious persecution. So they like, we want to leave. We're going to leave and go create the new world. But it was more than just Christians on that vote that's the thing so it was, it was a variety of religions um well I'm, I'm talking the constitution was founded so at so, i mean you're talking what 200 years later wait i'm sorry say that again when the constitution was founded you know which was like 100 years later so i mean there's there's communities that are, that are formed and christianity was built more into united you know the the continent um within that 100 years because we got here in what 1620 yeah, about that. Just and the Constitution was what seventeen was seventeen. Well, I mean, I don't know because settlers were here way before sixteen twenty, like mid late fifteen hundreds. Well, I know the Plymouth Rock when um, they first claimed here from was it Britain the sixteen twenty. I'm bad with my dates. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, I was I was just in uh, Massachusetts and it was uh, the Mayflower when it came here. Um, they have the the Plymouth Rock, which is the rock that they settled in the year they came here in 1620, and they have that carved in the rock, and the rock's still there. That's interesting. So, how do you feel about um the the um what is it called? I think it's like 1797 Treaty of Chipola. Um, it talks about um how this nation was not founded on a on Christianity. There was no foundation of Christianity, and I think that's like in Article 11. Are you familiar with that? I am not familiar with that. No. See, I don't. I'm like seeing all these things where it's like I'm looking at all these founding fathers who say, mm-hmm. "Well, you know, we shouldn't put religion in our, you know, our laws or our constitution and bill of rights and stuff." And then I'm looking at the Treaty of Chipola, Article uh, Article 11 talks about how you know this is not a Christian nation and things like that. And then you know the whole First Amendment. So it's like I'm looking at all these. What things. year was that? What the Treaty of Chipola? Yeah. 
I believe 1797. I may be wrong. Okay, so that's after the him. I'm looking up when the Constitution or? was signed. It's pretty sad. I don't know that date. Said it again. I'm looking for the year the Constitution was signed, and it's pretty sad. I don't know that date. Yeah, I, I'm bad with dates, but I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I do think Tripola was 1797. 1787 for the Constitution. Okay. So. But, I don't know. I just, but even if it, I don't know. Like even if it was founded on Christianity, the issue. The, well, like they say, they have God-given inalienable rights. That's you know what I mean. It's like you you have the right to bear arms and so on, and they consider these God-given inalienable rights. <clears throat> so, how do we define like how do we define founded on you know Christianity? That's that's the first thing I want to know. How does that work? Uh, just the the basic concept of people's beliefs of right and wrong when it was founded, pretty much, and where they got it from. That's what I. That's what I would consider it. And because I think when you say when 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 I hear someone say founded, I would look at it from a technicality point of view, and I would like founded. I would say that the day you stuck the flag in the ground, that's kind of what I consider founded. You know, like yeah, the day you signed the Constitution. Yeah, established. Established is probably a better term. Yeah. So you think Christianity is like <clears throat> set in stone, founded? You know, I think it was the majority um, belief system i mean there's churches all over the place um see that bothers me so much because it's like i found the fathers are like oh well liberty or you know what, what was his name it may have been patrick henry what, what did he say give me liberty or give me death and i'm hearing all these thomas jefferson's freedom this or freedom that and it's like yeah. they're talking about all this freedom and it's like but we have these laws and these bills in place that is like okay it restricts our freedom that's that's why yeah. i can't really the constitution sometimes it it, it doesn't Maybe I, th- I like the Constitution, but I think it needs to re- be revised if we're not going to abide by those. Like if our politicians and the people in this society, if we're not going to abide by the Constitution, the Constitution either needs to be revised or something needs to happen. Because I think we just need to make it so we fucking follow it. <laughs> we need to we need to change the thing. Power. We're not following it like it's not supposed to be any established religion. We're not supposed to be taken away. Oh, as far as the religion, freedom I believe speech. you should have the freedom to religion. But I don't believe the Constitution actually states it has to be enforced into anything. It just says you have the freedom to it. I don't believe it has to be established into our system. I don't believe the Constitution states it does. No, uh, it doesn't say that it has to be established. It says yeah, that's our issue. We, we just need to change the culture. We need to change the, the culture to fit the Constitution. Even when they founded it, it wasn't really – I mean, they didn't view these as issues back then, obviously, because this was just everybody's belief. You know, we just like slaves were like normal. You know, that was just their culture. Our culture just has to work towards – being more constitutional exactly, whereas yeah yeah and it's, the, yeah it's the people like and that's the that's why i can't really mess with a lot of the right wing like i keep saying like there's they're so like a lot of the people who identify as constitutionalists i promise you they don't know what the constitution says i promise yeah. you they don't like how are you talking about oh we freedom of speech this and that and the left is taking away our free okay you get mad when someone i think not you know if you don't want to stand for the pledge of allegiance and you want to mm-hmm. kneel that's a form of freedom of speech yeah exactly 100% if you want to burn the american flag that's a form of freedom of speech 100% i agree if you want to speak against the white house or the current president whether it be trump or biden that's a form of freedom of speech mm-hmm. but then conservatives or republicans people on the right want to come out and attack people and they want to try to create 
laws and get to go into the house and saying, oh, well, we're losing our culture in America or this. And yep. you're, literally, I, I, you're literally going against what the Constitution says yep. while also simultaneously identifying as a Constitution. Yeah, and I agree with you on that. Make and it I, make sense. Help yeah. me make it make sense. I can't because I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm so I'm not saying you like when people yeah. say when I say make it make sense, it's like, you know, they, they don't make sense to me. That's, well, I, I think that libertarianism is the real constitutional conservative view. It's, it's very similar, very close. It's just more separated by state, you know, whereas exactly. constitutional is more, you know, everybody. But yeah, there's um, only one thing about libertarianism that gets me like I, I pretty much check out in all the boxes for libertarianism. The one thing that gets me is the whole pro-life, pro-choice argument. So where I stand on it is like um, I support, like, someone's, you know, I don't want to take away anyone's rights, but at the same time, mm-hmm. I look at that child as, like, that's a child, that's a human being that you're carrying. It's like, that's yeah. a whole other person, but it's like, as a libertarian, does it make me hypocritical to be like, you know, oh, well, you know, I don't know, like, I'm pro-life, so I, when I vote, I'm going to vote for pro-life choices, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. you know, things that stop from, you know, harming a child, killing a baby. But then would that make me anti-libertarian? Would that make me, you know, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So my belief is try Mine is more scientific than anything. That's why I'm pro-life. Um, I believe that the, you, you have different value systems, you know, like you, your worth or your value of your abilities to move around or whatever, that's your market value. Right. Um, your life has its own value. So our, our basic human life has its own intrinsic value. And it is not worth more or less than anyone else's. We all have the same exact value to live. So the point is, when does that life begin? And I can get into that whole scientific debacle separately because you already you know, agree with me, so I don't need to get into that. But the, the issue that the libertarians would, would suggest is that that life has a different value, and it doesn't because they would believe that that life is less valuable than the mother's, but they're, right. they're basing it off the market value and not the actual intrinsic life. And life is the value that we need to base it on because that's what's constitutionally written. Exactly. So um, I believe that that life, you know, and it goes off of uh, once that life is formed, well, then now it's the parent's responsibility to take care of that life. And so the responsibility is based on the parents. Now they have to make sure that baby stays alive. until. That's also another question. What if someone (laughs) wants the abortion and someone doesn't want to take care of, you know, they want abortion, but the system stops them from getting abortion and they don't want to take care of that child. Well, then, then that child is their responsibility until they find somebody else to take care of it. If they don't want that, if they, and, and if not, then it's on their, it's their responsibility. So if they have that child, then they need to enter into the system. They need to do whatever they can to find somebody who wants that baby. Because I mean, that whole system needs to be revised, period. Adopting a child is a bitch here. It is it is so tight-knit that it is so difficult yeah, to adopt a child. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. Like, a lot of pro-life people, you know, like, I have to keep bringing up because the conservatives and the Republicans, you know, they're so pro-life. But they don't want to do anything to help out, like adoption agencies and making it more smoother. To like, I understand there's a process. And stuff. They should. Honestly, that's that's a huge issue. There's so many people that want babies that can't have. I think money needs to be poured into it. I think if you're pro life and you're going to force somebody to have a child, I think you need to pour money into the system. I'm sorry, that's just because a child cannot take care of themselves. Like if it's like no. a, a government system or whether it's an adoption agency that takes on a child, I think if you're pro life, I think you need to give money to the system, and that's just period. It has well, to be I, I believe it shall be um, voluntary, which I actually do donate to, you know. Um, that's why I said, that's yeah. why I said pro-lifers and not pro-choices too. That's I'm yeah, talking yeah. about pro-life people specifically. Yeah. yeah so, just, and pro-life people aren't like, they're not even really pro-lifers. You know, they support death penalty. I understand why they don't support universal health care. I don't mm-hmm. support universal health care, but then they don't even want to support affordable health care. That's an issue. 
Well, my, my definition of pro-life isn't necessarily like care about lives. It's more or less that my, nobody's able to infringe on your life. That's all. I, that when I say pro-life, that's all it means is nobody is, has the right to infringe on your life. Your, your life is your right. That's why I always say definitions and concepts are just subjective to an individual. Like, yeah. Yep. Pro to me means to be in support of or to, you know, like something like to be in support of. So when I say pro-life, be in support of life. I think to be anti-death penalty, that makes you in support of life. To be, you know, pro-life makes you in support of life. To support affordable health care means to be in support of life. Oh, yeah, I'm going to pour money into the healthcare system to help pay for insulin and uh, diabetic medication, mm-hmm. um, chemotherapy, HIV and AIDS. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm paying, you know, for you to stay alive to supplement your treatments and stuff, that makes me pro-life. And I See, don't, that's yeah, how I define. I, yeah. And I, I don't typically call myself pro-life. I don't know if I said that earlier in the thing when you asked me if I was pro-life, right. I just consider myself um, an equalist. That's it. I consider myself free. Uh, all I care about is freedom and equality. That's it. And that just happens to fit under that title. You know, other right. than that, I, I, I don't consider myself um, where you have to force anybody to stay alive. If they want to take their own life, let them take their own life. It's up to them. You know what I mean? It's, I agree. 1000%. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm pro freedom and pro equality. So I'm an equalist. That's what I consider myself. Yeah, I say the same thing all the time when it comes to like taking your life. Um, like, are you crazy? Like, no, I think if someone wants to take their life, then, you know, I think they have the, you know, I don't think anybody should infringe on it. Maybe you can say, you, you can say something like, please don't do it. And you can yeah. advocate and support mental health issues. But if, yeah, I mean, people might just stay alive if they don't yep. want to be alive. Yeah. If they want to check themselves in, then they have to sign it. You, unless unless you're the parent that's responsible for that child, then I believe that if you if you have the if you're gonna get in trouble, if that child kills himself or something like that, you know, if that's what's in our laws, then then the responsibility can't be put on the parent because it has to be put on the the kid, the individual. Right. But yeah, I think that if somebody wants to take their own life, then that is their freedom to take. You know. Exactly, I agree. Well, man, I, I hate to do this. I have to cut this short. I feel like we could talk forever because this was an awesome freaking conversation. I typically oh, no, I try totally to keep understand. these in order. I got to <laughs> finish a paper. You know, school yeah. is almost ending. So, so uh, I, I've noticed that after I go after an hour, my audio gets kind of spaced out. So I'm really hoping that the audio is good because this podcast was fucking awesome. So, oh, yeah, no, got to invite you on mine next. So, we hell yeah, man. Yeah. I'd love that. All right, but yeah. Well, f- thank you, Cal. You have a wonderful night. You too. All right. Have a good day. You too. Bye.